Can you remember the rules to live by? Or how about ECAT flyaway? Well, if you've ever landed a jet on an aircraft carrier, this episode is for you. You know what it's like to be just a few feet from death on a regular basis and can laugh about it like it's no big deal. On this episode, we break down the paddles culture and what it means to be an LSO. We talk stories, feats of strength, history, and scary moments we will never forget. I welcome back my LSO mentor and great American, Barf Byers. We discuss the perks of being a paddles, his experience and highlights as an LSO school instructor, and how he connects the paddles culture to everyday life. Then we finish it all off with a fun little game called How to Throw Barf Under the Bus. I'm your host, Susan, and this is the Ready Room Podcast. We're back with Barf. All right, so Barf, for this one, we had talked about it. LSO culture, the paddles factor with Marine. Do you finish as a captain or a major? Well, officially a major. So major buyers. But that was during my, uh, the hell do we call it, terminal leave. I have I have the lithograph that tells me I'm a major in the Marine Corps. Did you get a certificate oath of office with major on it? Did I actually take the oath of office? No, but I got promoted as a major, and I have a lithograph. So who pinned you on? Nobody pinned me on. So did you ever wear a gold oak leaf ever? Nope. Well, you finished as a major on paper. Yeah, sure did. That's all that matters. You got got (laughs) majors paid for like a week or two? (laughs) I was was a major select for like a year and a half. Okay. Dude, doesn't that count? Yeah, sure. Count it. (laughs) Major. It sounds so much cooler as Captain Brad Barf Byers. All right, no worries. We're doing Paddles Factor. LSO culture. This is all LSO stuff. So, hey, disclaimer for anybody listening, if you ever listen to this, this is all acronyms, carrier, air wing, aviation, Navy, Marine Corps stuff. So if you can't speak LSO and you don't want to talk LSO, just turn this off right now because this is like an, this is another language. It is. It literally is. It really is. So, okay, cool. All right, Barf. Yeah. Game on. What's an LSO? Landing signal officer. Tell us about that. Well, so um, it is the guy on the back of the boat. Uh, that is helping the air wing come aboard, making sure that guys are on glide slope and on center line and can safely get aboard expeditiously. So they exist for what specific purpose? Safe and expeditious landing on aircraft carriers. So where is that written? Because that's, <laughs> I feel like that was just, you've recited that. No, that's, uh, it's imprinted is that in the in back the book? of my brain. Is that in the paddles like booklet somewhere? Well, I don't know that there's a paddles booklet. I feel like in the in the LSO NATOPS, there's yeah. a yeah that like page one. LSO I think so. All right, there there we go. All right, cool. Yep. What's the give us give us a you know your knowledge of the quick history of LSOs? Well, obviously it goes back to the early days of naval aviation and um, coming to the board of the boat back in the day was a treacherous uh, endeavor, <laughs> and so we're talking World War II back in the yeah, day. Yeah, 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 like. Pre World War Two, right, right. So, um, back in the day, let's just take World War Two as an example. There would have been a guy who was at the back of the ship with literally paddles. I mean, you can think about them as um, rackets that are made of fabric that are highly visible that they would hold over their head to give a signal to pilots who are landing on the back of the boat and. So you can imagine a, a paddles on the back of the ship using those signals in a Y formation over their heads to say, hey, you're high. Or 
down low to say, hey, you're low or canted one way or the other to tell you, hey, right for lineup, come left. So it's I've seen the pictures and they're black and white. Yeah, these guys are, are holding these paddles and they're kind of like cheerleaders out they on are. the side. That's exactly they're a cheerleader. Right. And but back then it was very different where they were flying straight decks. So they they're landing on a straight deck. And talk about the difference a little bit between a straight deck and what those guys had to the pressure mindset of what happens if I land long or land short and the consequences vice, you know, carrier aviation today. Yeah, you can imagine. So before um, uh, we had a, uh, a canted deck, the, all of the aircraft on, on the flight deck would be parked at the bow, right? And so if you're coming aboard a straight deck carrier, you don't have an option to go around you don't have an option to miss the wires because if you do, you're gonna become a fireball in the back of yeah, no the, pressure in the in, into the tail. So if of you the land long, aircraft, yeah, you crash into the other yeah. twenty five aircraft. If you land short, uh, you're crashing into the back of the ship. So um, essentially, you have one chance to come aboard back in the straight deck days, and and uh, we lost a lot of aircraft and yeah. and, and a lot of pilots, um, and you know the paddles was the guy who built trust with, with the air wing to say, Hey, Hey brother, listen to me. I've got you. You're a little bit high, but it wasn't even back low. then. Did they actually have a radio? No. So it was, purely it was signal. It was just signal. Right. And so you're not even, there's no voice. There's no mini relationship. It's a dude with some paddles cheerleading on the deck, telling me if I'm high, low, left or right. And yeah, that's right. Don't land long and crash into every other aircraft. Don't fuck it up. Dude, piece of cake. Gosh. It makes me sound like, I feel like such a bitch. <laughs> you know, we're landing on the boat now. And we, we, oh, we tell all our sea stories and we're so salty because we were catching the three wire and five foot pitching decks or whatever. Yeah. And back in the day, those guys are coming back after not, a mission. Not close. Not even close. You know, one of the coolest stories about carrier history that I love to tell is uh, the F4U Corsair. Yeah, I remember this. Right. And so the F4U Corsair was designed for the Navy. And... You can imagine uh, coming aboard the carrier, uh, it was essentially a straight-in back in the day, and the, the, the cowling on an F4U Corsair is huge. And the pilot during a straight-in wasn't able to see over his cowling to get visibility on uh, the, the, the paddles. And so the Navy essentially declared, hey... F4U Corsair is not capable of landing on the boat. And so they gave it to the Marine Corps. And during World War II in the Pacific, uh, the Marine Corps said, hey, I think we can figure this out and, and came up with the carrier pattern that we use today, albeit somewhat modified. Uh, it was essentially at about 90 feet off the deck. And they used 180 or actually 360 degrees of turn in order to, now if you're in 180 degrees of turn, you're able to keep your eyes on the LSO the entire time and see where you are relative to the glide slope because the, the LSO or the paddles is on the back of the ship giving you uh, information. And then essentially paddles would give you the cut sign, right? Which cut, cut, cut. Yep. And you'd pull your power to idle. And you'd pray to God that you caught a wire. And Gosh. I mean, it's, it's just bananas. So once the Marine Corps figured that out, then the Navy goes, oh, shit, maybe we can do this. 
and therefore you Corsair becomes a legendary fighter aircraft in World War II, all because of Marine Corps carrier Yeah, aviation. there we go. Na- <laughs> Navy guys, <laughs> love that story. Oh, I know, right? You're flying, you're in a constant left-hand turn, and at the very last second, you roll wings level because cut, you got to be able to see paddles, and they cut, 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 and you go idle, yep. say a quick prayer, catch a wire, yep. and that's it. And Marines still land like that today. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. We got to... Cut, cut, cut. We got to, We got in trouble on our last cruise for not... Adding power. Well, no, we got... Uh, we hit the three-wire so much that mini boss was like, hey, guys, come on. Like, seriously, I've been swapping this thing out too often. I need you guys to get back to normal and start tagging the ace. I do not yeah. believe you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a true story. Yeah. That's a true story. Hey, so I think it's important for the audience to understand uh, that in today's carrier environment, um, and for the last, I don't know, 60 or 80 years, the protocol is when you land on the deck, you go to full power. Right. And that's going to that's going to save your life in case you miss a wire. Right. You're going to get airborne again. You're going to go fly for another day or another pass. And, uh, you know, for us to go cut, 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 pull power to idle is absolutely sacrilegious because it's a certain death if you don't catch a wire. And that was standard protocol. Right. That was normal. So so it's certain death today. Why? Because if you miss the wire, you're not going to get end speed or so what happens to you and your aircraft well you're punch well the beauty is today you're going to punch out and you're yeah. going to you're going to be fine just going to roll off the, the taxpayers yeah. are going to suck yeah. up a 65 million dollar airplane but no big deal yeah. uh yeah the cut 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 all the wires straight deck in front of 20 or 30 other corsairs wings folded tightened up and you're that you're looking at that sight picture and you're coming down the chute and you're like all right cool there's paddles doing his dance and if I land long, miss a wire, hook skips, take your pick, I crash into yeah, a bunt. And just, you know, all the sailors out on the deck, dudes are working. The disaster that is just, that was Tuesday. Yeah, it's crazy. And we did it all day long for years. You know, people it's, today, when, when they hear you and I used to land on aircraft carriers, they go, hey, wow, that's cool. Tell me about that. That's really hard to do. And you go, ah. Uh, it's really not right. Actually, right. The, the old saying: "If you have enough bananas, you yeah. can teach a monkey to do it." It's so true. I mean, under normal circumstances, daytime, when the when the, when the sea is flat, it's not hard, right? Actually, and it's getting easier every day with some of the things that that we were talking about earlier today over dinner. But yep. but back in the day, I mean, the life expectancy of a carrier aviator. I mean. Not all guys, I mean, most guys, I guess most guys did come home, but a lot of guys didn't. And yeah. and, uh, and was, then normalcy was, back then where it was, hey, if something's wrong and I don't know, maybe you got shot by a bunch of Japanese anti-aircraft fire or zeros or whatever. Yep. It was normal to just pull up, you know, port or starboard side and just ditch. Ditch. You would just land your aircraft in the crash land into the water, jump yeah. out. Yeah. Hey, hey, we got another aircraft ready for you. Yeah, or if you come aboard sometimes and, and it was too uh, damaged by anti-aircraft fire or zeros, push it over the side. Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, this we thing's taking up some of space. Pictures. Yeah, exactly. We got tons of pictures of, of, of Just, the deck crew oh, pushing dude. aircraft over. Imagine like today you're the AMO and, and they're like, hey, uh, push two, that over. It's 206 a good is uh, we 904 it nine times in a row. <laughs> Why don't we just push that thing over the side? Yeah, let's just do that. The checkerboards would have no jets oh, left. Dude, stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop. All right. Next question. Uh, 
All right, man. So we talked old school paddles. How did you get involved in in the LSO culture? Uh, to be honest, it was because I sucked at everything else. Okay, that's good. Good to yeah. know. And and I think um, uh, the, the the truth is that <laughs> being a paddles is as much about the fraternity and the brotherhood and building trust with the air wing. Um, you, you certainly have to show capability and competency behind the boat to, to earn the respect. Yeah. You of can't be a paddleist if you can't land behind the ship. Like right. if, if you're bad behind the ship, you can't be a paddleist. That's right. Okay. But yep. do you think there's a, a personality type that is better or, or that is a little more suited for the paddles culture? I, I would make the argument that, uh, personality is the most important aspect of being a paddles more so than your competency coming aboard the boat. Okay. And, and the reason for that is you can be a, a rock star coming aboard the boat, but if you're a jerk and you don't build trust with, with the air wing, nobody's going to trust you. They're going to hear your voice on the radio and they're going to go, shit, it's barf. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which probably happened a lot. <laughs> um, but, but the truth is if you're, a good dude and you have a little bit of skill behind the boat uh you're going to be able to build credibility and and confidence in your brothers and sisters that are coming aboard the boat and you know like everybody as soon as you hear someone roger the ball everybody knows it's you yeah distinctly you know, very susan, distinguished it's susan on the pickle yeah it's barf on the pickle it's pony on the pickle and you go all right he's got me right and uh, there are times, to be honest, where you have a paddles on the pickle and you go, ah, damn it, damn it. It's perfect. I, I, wish it, I wish it was pony on the pickle oh. or I wish it was wonk on the pickle <laughs> or, I wish, you know, and, and uh, there's something special about that, right? As soon as you, as soon as you hear someone's voice, you become calm because you know yeah. they got you. So like you could say that if you come around the and you hear wonk or pony, your your confidence might go up a little bit. It, maybe it's a shit scenario, you know, bad weather, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Right? All right. So did you get picked to be a paddles? Did you throw your name in the hat or how'd that go? Uh, I think a little bit of both. So I think I was in a position to be picked. I was a um, a new guy in the squadron. Uh, we needed paddles, and I had demonstrated some capability behind the boat. Um, and I hadn't pissed everybody off yet. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, all right. I so they don't in. know you yet. So your personality is <laughs> yeah, still exactly. a secret. You haven't died behind the ship. Exactly. Yeah, let's, let's put this guy in. All right, cool. Exactly. I like it. It's a yeah. great, the standard is, is good. Awesome. So you got to be a paddles and then you did two cruises with the snakes. Uh, talk about just life as a paddles. What's your daily battle rhythm? Yeah. What, how, how does it go? Yeah. So, and, uh, and let's, because there's a lot of ways you could break it down, but let's talk cyclic ops, like yep. uh, COM2X and then deployment, where it's, you know, 12-hour days. Yep. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're at sea, you're underway, and um, you are flying every day of the week, right? And no-fly days are, are a rarity to come by. And as a paddles, you're going to be on the flight schedule four days in a row, let's say, and the fifth day, you'll be on the schedule to be paddles. And, and you'll go out to the back of the boat and, and help guys get aboard. Um, so you can imagine that during those four days that you're flying, you're, you're, you're waking up and you're uh, preparing for your brief. You're doing a whole lot of flight prep. You're briefing. You're going to execute the flight. 
you're coming back and you're debriefing and that is a, uh, that's a full day in and of itself. Okay. You probably have a ground job or certainly have a ground job as a single seat guy and you make sure that you're taking care of your Marines that if you're, uh, in the maintenance, uh, department that, that the jets are, are in good shape. Uh, and then you're hitting the rack or you're probably hitting the gym, right? You're getting your run in, your lift in, uh, hitting the rack and, and doing it again the next day. So you do that four days in a row on the fifth day that you're paddles. It's almost like a day off. Yeah. Right. So talk details. Yeah. What's the battle rhythm of a paddles so, on, on your duty day as a paddles, which is a, it's a welcomed duty day, right? Because you're able to probably sleep in just a little bit because you don't have to prepare for the brief. Uh, you're getting ready to recover the first set of aircraft that are coming back during cyclic ops. And uh, you go out to the back of the ship, uh, probably 15 minutes to make sure that early, make sure the deck is ready, that comms are working, that the forensal lens is on and, and working, that you have good comms with the tower and the, and the pilots. And uh, then you start to recover aircraft, right? So you recover 12 or 20 aircraft or so. And after that, uh, you walk around the ship to each ready room and you say, hey, Susan, uh, good job today. A little too much power on the high come down. Or shit, I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> a little high come down all the Could way. Could you translate the okay. a paddles pass right now little, if little, I wrote one oh, out? You betcha. Oh, nice. A little high come down all the way for there the okay go. three wire, wire right? And uh, Or... Uh, not enough power and close, low at the ramp for the no grade one no. is more appropriate for you. Stop. Susan. No, man. Uh, and I only tagged the one nine times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That never happened, yeah. but that would be terrible. Right. Uh, so, so you would go debrief the, the, the guys who came aboard during that, that, uh, line so, period. Right, so detail that. that. So you, you do this, there's 12 to 15 recoveries a day yeah. ish and not, not that many seven to eight. Okay. I'm thinking deployment cycle missions things like that okay no worries so let's say there's seven eight cycles what is the once that recovery is complete talk about the entourage the paddles entourage walking through the ship going to each ready room the music hey paddles is here the sarcastic welcome you know all that talk about that a little bit just kind of what that's like uh it's 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 awesome so you walk into a ready room and and you know that paddles is here because it's a it's a group of five or seven guys that all have white coats on, <laughs> right? The, the, the float coats, The right? float coats, yeah. That are, that are designed, if you fall overboard, they're going to inflate and keep you safe. But we all have a different color. Paddles uh, has, has a white float coat. And we all have shades on, probably on our head or on the back of our neck. Some, some idiots probably still have them on in the ready room. Uh, and you walk in, and, and the ready room usually gives uh, a sarcastic welcome Sarcasm. to, and, and happy to see you. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then the pilots recognize that they have to stop their debrief and, and stand up and, and engage with paddles about how it went, right? So you get your pass. You yeah. get your brief. So yeah. give, me a, give me a debrief. So let's yeah. say I just a little high out of the way for the yeah. OK3. All right. But so maybe it- I was a little, uh, I don't know. Little rough wings on the way down. I don't know something. Give me just a random two hundred three. Two hundred three. A little high come down all the way for the OK three, Susan. Great Thanks. job. Do it again tomorrow. Thanks, paddles. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good debrief. And then, and then you go on to the next guy, right? And and most of the time that is nothing but goodness, right? It is uh, reporting good behavior. Uh, every once in a while, you have to 
pull a guy aside and say, hey, don't ever do that again, right? So it's a uh, high start to in the middle, fly through, down and close, low at the ramp for the no grade one wire. Hey, brother, don't do that, Yeah, right? And, and sometimes those don't always go as smoothly uh, as you might expect. Right. But the response is always, thanks, Paddles. Thanks, Paddles. Yeah, we were instructed specifically uh, by our senior dudes Yep. You just say thanks, paddles. Yep. Thanks like, for well, what me if, safe. What paddles. if pedals is wrong? Pedals is never wrong. And yeah. then I'll, you know. Yeah. But part of the culture. How fun is that? How fun is it being part of that? And dudes are coming down, and you're you're briefing them, debriefing. You got what are the roles? So you've got primary, backup. And yeah. That's a so great talk about question. that a little bit. That's a great so dudes, question. you know, can this is for the guys who've done this before, you're having flashbacks, and yeah, you know, while they're uh, I don't know doing some other. They're job. all judging me for, yeah. for God. <laughs> like it's the wrong know pass, what you're talking man. about. Shit, it's, guy's been, it's been eight years, rookie, at least eight years. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, there are different positions out on the back of the ship. You've, you've got, uh, you got CAG paddles. Who's on the headset, uh, who is there to oversee all of the, all of the, he's kind of like the crew lead, right. Or, or the superintendent of those on the back of the ship. He is ultimately responsible to make sure that the conditions are safe to bring folks aboard the boat. And, ultimately responsible for safe and expedition re- expeditious recovery of aircraft. Um, the crew that he is running or she is running, you have an enlisted personnel who is making sure that the arresting gear are set and in battery and reporting that uh, to the team. Um, then you have uh, a, a guy who is on lineup, right, usually in the center. So you have CAG paddles on the right, Lineup is in the center. Yep. That that individual is just making sure on the plat cam, so the, the camera that's in the middle of the deck that is showing the crosshairs, hey, that, that jet is where I expect it to be. And then you have primary, who is to the left, uh, who is on the pickle, which is essentially the radio, a handset that is keying the mic and saying, Roger Ball, 25 knots down the angle right? It's the classic top gun, three quarters of a mile, call the ball. Two zero six, Hornet ball, 5.6, which is our fuel state. Yep. Or 3.0. Yeah, or 3.0. Or 2.0. Bingo on the ball every time. Exactly. Yeah. And paddles will come up and key the mic and say, Roger ball, 25 knots. Yeah. And, um, at that point, primary is ultimately responsible for glide slope and keeping you from hitting the ramp. Got it. Uh, so it is a whole lot of nothing, hopefully. During right, because during cyclic ops, it's, it's calm nothing. out. It is calm out. It's with, crickets. It is communication by exception. Yeah. Right? Uh, so if I come up and talk to you, uh, it's because I need you to do something. Yeah. Right? You're a little low. That's not, that's informational. Um, it doesn't mean you have to immediately take action, but that's giving you some information that I see something. I normally wouldn't say anything. You should probably... Seriously, consider so, action. Yeah. So that's something, a little sidebar here, yeah. is to get into cyclic ops specific. I remember got out to the, you know, we're doing the whole boat brief and everything. We're going to do cyclic ops. It's boat workups, all this. And there, I saw the the drawing on the board of the toilet bowl that goes down of aircraft yeah. that yeah. start at various holding altitudes and without talking to each other, descend. Yeah. And then without talking to each other, they enter the pattern and then without talking, they race each other. And then they race each other. And then you come in and you land and nobody says a word. And I'm watching this and they're like, I'm like, no way. I think I taught you that. 
you actually did. Yeah. But I, when you briefed it, I remember I pulled the other guy. So I'm like, no way, we're all going to die. Barf, I was like, barf is this is shit. not going to work. I was like, there's no way you can land 15 aircraft in 15 minutes without saying a word. Yeah, it's amazing. With 60 second intervals. And it's like a symphony. And then actually having, when I got to see how it works and why it's designed that way and the efficiency of it and how you can land that many aircraft who are running out of the gas, the Marines specifically, and how it comes down and how when you roll out and then shoot, you know, you, you roll wings level and you get your cut lights. That's your Roger ball before yeah. you even say anything. You land without ever having said a word. Yeah. What are cut lights? They're green lights. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially we're communicating without saying anything to your point. Yeah. But we are giving you a signal to say you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Yeah. Um, yep. That was, and then breaking the deck, which is another. Oh, God. But the race to the deck. Where I love like, breaking the deck. And that was the cool thing about just being always almost out of gas was yeah. you're always at low holding 2K and you had, it was a race. And I was like, okay, we got to cut off whoever it is and break the deck. All right. So that's another. But what was your, when you got to, the question is, when you saw how cyclic ops operated from a paddle's perspective, what was that like? Well, I think first and foremost, I learned cyclic ops as a pilot. Okay, good. Yeah, that's important. Right. And, and so, and, and most importantly as a wingman, right. So I'm hanging on to the, to the stab or the hanging on to my lead. And he, in this case, I didn't have any female uh, squatter mates, uh, he would have brought me down out of the stack, calm out exactly how you're describing it. And over the course of a couple of months, you get the, you get a sense of how this whole toilet bowl flush works, right? And how, how we just via visual indicators understand when it's our turn, uh, to, to come down out of the stack. Um, during that time as a wingman, you get selected as a paddles and then you start to go out to the back end of the boat and, and uh, you start to become, it's almost like an apprenticeship, yeah. right? It's OJT and, and you are learning the ropes um, and uh, you're hearing CAG paddles uh, bitch about this, the snakes or the, or the Marines, <laughs> and the, you know, what, what we're doing wrong. And you get to bring that data back to the squad yeah. uh, into the ready room and say, hey, guys, Hey, I'm picking up nuggets on the back of the ship that maybe we could do a little things a little bit differently, a little bit better. Um, so as a very young guy in the squadron, you're, you're helping to teach and coach and mentor in a very uncomfortable way. Cause you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, but just a great way to learn cyclic ops to your point. Yes. Right. Both from the air and from the back of the boat. Yeah, important to see it as a wingman. You see it as a wingman. And, and you see it on the back of the ship as a as a fledgling LSO. Literally, literally hanging on and being like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, there's aircraft everywhere. Nobody's talking. Oh, yeah. I, I caught a wire, kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that was that's good to break into. But the culture of the LSO and the paddles culture is very specific. And you talked about personality being the primary factor, even more important than your ability behind the boat. And I think the paddles culture was so cool. And I also noticed that there were very similar personalities. Things I noticed were dudes are really fun. Yeah. Like dudes that you would want to drink a beer with. You know, right. we talked about this last time. Give us, give us Barf's description of the paddles culture. Yeah. I, I think it's a, um, you got to be a good dude first and a good pilot second. And uh, you have to be able to deliver bad news with grace. 
right? So that you're, you're actually capable of modifying behavior, your effectiveness as a, as a, and I think this came up on, on our last discussion, which was your effectiveness as a leader, your effectiveness as a paddles is equal to the quality of your solution, the quality of the things that you're saying, uh, times buy-in, right? That was that bumper sticker from the last one. We yeah, talked about. yeah, yeah. I got right. It. Okay. And and so if you don't have the buy-in of the air wing, if the if the guys meaning if they don't trust you, if they don't trust you and believe you and give you credibility, uh, you could be absolutely right, and they would be like, he doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Because they don't trust you, right? Um, and that's dangerous, and and I'm sure we're going to get into that. Uh, later in the podcast, but um, you have to build trust and credibility first and then worry about whether you're right and accurate and, and specific, right? I would much rather have the trust and credibility than be absolutely right. I could be, I could be wrong, but I'm always going to err on the conservative side to keep you safe, right? And because of that, I want you to trust me 100%. Got it. That... I'm going to keep you safe, keep you away from the back of the ship. So what's some ways you can establish that credibility? Let's talk about, so being a good dude. So there's two facets, being a good dude and being good behind the ship. Yeah. So specifically being a good dude, being in a ready room. How do you, how do you establish that credibility or build it? Well, I think, uh, you know, one of the ways you do it and and specifically in this scenario, which is unique and not everybody's been in a ready room environment. And so it's hard to, hard to describe for, for everybody, but those who have been, uh, in a flight suit will understand this, uh, self-deprecation, humility, (laughs) right? The ability to laugh at yourself and, and, uh, and, and, and laugh with and at each other in, in a gracious way. Um, uh, is endearing and every, everybody. So the, the, the best among us were the guys that were the first to make fun of themselves. Right. And the first to speak up when they're wrong. Right. Hey, you wouldn't believe the dumb shit that I did in an airplane today, guys don't do that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, 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 and usually the guys who are willing to do that are the best at what they do. Um, it's the guys who really struggle who are uh, unwilling to air their 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 challenges yeah. that they're having? A, a experienced individual in the squadron who was respected on an aircraft carrier uh, after a mission come back and say, "Yeah, guys, hey, uh, just heads up, I forgot to arm my seat uh, today." And but he's like, "Hey, look, don't do that." I mean, that's a basic error, new guy types thing. He had been the Marine Corps for. A decade and a half. Yeah. Um, he's it, like, guys, you know, he's not too good to say, hey, I'm still fallible. Yeah. Susan, let me make a connection to that. To, sure. To, to, to what we're, what I'm doing today in, in, in the real, quote unquote, real world, right? Or the business world. Um, coming from a single seat fighter community where if you don't have that in your DNA to speak up when you screw up, you're going to get pulled out, right? We, we have to have trust in you as a single seat guy to speak up when you did something dumb because nobody else is watching, right? So it is very much a part of our culture as single seat guys to, to speak up when we do something dumb in an airplane. 
And so fast forward into uh, my first year or two in industry, in manufacturing industry in, in particular, and uh, I did something dumb. I actually, uh, I pulled out 480 volts of power out of uh, uh, electrical socket for, for a lot of reasons. It, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> um, and there was no on-off switch on the, on the heater that I was pulling out, but it, it essentially blew up in my hand right? Nothing happened. It was, it was just a, a flashbang. Um, but during a safety call with my entire company, I told that story unannounced. I said, Hey, I did something stupid this week that I want to make sure that everybody understands what happened so that you don't do it yourself. And there was shock. There was probably, there were several hundred people on the call and there was shock it was either, it was one of two things. It was either enormous respect for my moral courage to tell the story, to keep others safe, or it was, hey, you're a dumbass. Why would you ever do that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was easy for me to say, hey, if I'm a dumbass, it, there's a lot of other people around here who might do the same thing because, right. you know. Yeah. We're all, we, we all have that ability to do dumb things from time to time. But that, in, that moment earned me credibility with the business and with my colleagues that still today, probably six or seven years later, people still talk about and has changed in some small way our safety culture in, in, a, in a profound way to speak up when you do something that you think others can learn from. And it's, it's a, it's a powerful and important thing. So you modified the culture. I'm a small, I, I hope that I'm a small part of modifying the culture, but there are a lot of great leaders in this company yeah. that I work for that and are that's, dude, modifying the I, culture I all the time. Unplugged some crazy voltage thing and, oh, you know, yeah. Dude, yeah, that's cool. It was, it was a really innocent thing. But it was I'm a, not telling the details of the story. It's not as bad as it probably sounds sure. telling it quickly, but Okay. Important story. I guess the so moral of that one is so you people had never experienced that. They hadn't seen somebody call themselves out publicly for the benefit of others. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what is the first thing that we ask after every flight in every debrief? What is it? First one, questions from the brief. Second one. That's the second Any question. safeties of flight training or violations? Any safety of flight. Right. And, and who better call that out? I gave her, I'm glad I pulled that out. Yeah, that was, was like, yeah, exactly. Was like, yeah, and, and good for you to, to correct me. It's actually the second question, right? But if there is a safety of flight, who had better call it out? Uh, the flight lead or whoever, whoever made the incursion. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, that's something that, that is built into our DNA yep. that to me was absolutely normal. That is not normal in private industry today. I think, uh, you know, there are people out there that are trying to change that and say, hey, listen, I'm a competent guy and, and I make mistakes. And let me tell you about a mistake that I made so that others can learn. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that um, that earns more cred credibility than it than you lose by doing it. Right. I got you. Ultimately. All right. That's a good point. Yeah. Awesome. So that uh, back to that's battles. how you get credibility. <laughs> Good stuff. And obviously behind the ship, like you have to be consistent, predictable, predictable, I think being the key word, the yeah. guys that were unpredictable, the dudes that 
you paid attention to, yeah. like your ears perked up and you're like, yep. Hey, so-and-so is coming down the chute and everybody went from kind of just going through the motions and relaxed to, Hey, we got to pay attention. You know, so-and-so is coming down. Uh, talk about the relationship between a pilot and a paddles. And I wrote it out as 15 seconds of trust. Yeah. And you had said in the beginning that safe, expeditious recovery of aircraft, but the importance of having the guy in the aircraft hear your voice and trust you and that relationship and what it's like. And that guy flying, basically in those 15 seconds, they're best friends. Yeah. Where all the Swiss cheese is aligning. And that 15 seconds... The, your role as the paddles to get that dude aboard safely is critical. Yeah. So talk about that 15 second relationship. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, we, we've kind of set up the, the scenario here, but, um, it's, it's absolutely imperative then that when you call the ball and I Roger the ball, uh, at night, right. Or give you cut lights and you know that I'm on the pickle. It is when I say something to you, that you trust it immediately, regardless of what your eyes are telling you, uh, what is coming out of my mouth supersedes that. So not to interrupt, but regardless of what my eyes are telling me, yeah. specifically, what are you referring to? Yeah. So you can imagine that, that, that you may see or think you see the, the, the forensal lens or the ball that tells you you're on glide slope. But as paddles on the deck, I may know that the deck right now is up. So there's a swell, right? And, and the deck has risen. And the pilot may be seeing a centered ball right now. But I know that the deck, if it goes up, it must come down, right? And so if, if, I'm, if you're seeing yourself on glide slope, I may tell you little power. Right. And and you may instantly go, Barf is wrong. I see myself on Gladstone, but it doesn't matter because Barf said I'm gonna put a little power on the jet. Right. And that is why the trust is so critical to develop before that fifteen seconds of trust, right? I gotta build that trust weeks, months, years in advance, uh, in order to to make sure that that when I give you that that call that you listen to it instantly without questioning. Um, you can, you know, there's a lot of other examples that we could use uh, to, to help the listeners understand that, hey, um, just because the pilot thinks they're seeing something, there might be something happening that requires them to do something that the paddles, if he says something, they need to listen to and act on immediately. Um, it's just a, it's just a neat relationship that, that you're, you're constantly trying to foster and, and build. And, uh, so from that's more, a little more from the paddles perspective, being yeah. the dude in the jet, all the Swiss cheese is aligned. Now you're flying, you're coming down the chute. Yep. Did you feel an advantage as a pilot having been a paddles? Do you think being a paddles made you better behind the ship? Um, I'm not sure other than to know, other than to say that uh, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to the paddles, right? I know how important it is to, to trust the paddles when you are a paddles. Mm-hmm. And I know all of those guys even better than the rest of the air wing. Right. Right. And uh, I know that, 
they've got my best interest in mind. I know that they make mistakes, but their mistakes are going to be on the side that are going to keep me safe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm okay with that. So that's, that's another, before we get into this, the second part of this is the mistakes that are going to keep you safe. Yep. And what's, what's an example of something like that? Yeah. I I would, I would say a, a power call that may be unjustified. Right. And I added a little power. I got a little high and all right, I boltered. Bolter is, I landed a little bit long and didn't catch a wire. And I, and I went to full power and went flying again and got a chance to come back and yeah, do it again. You got more hours, man. Yeah, I got, I got more hours. A little bit. Exactly. Now you're hitting the tanker. Got, and then you're <laughs> yeah, got some more chance to, yeah. to, to get better. Yeah, but, more practice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's an easy example. Yeah. So with yeah. that, we, we talked about that relationship. So under shit circumstances... Describe the feelings of what it's like on the pickle. You know this guy's struggling. You know it's bad weather. You know all that Swiss cheese is lining up. It's kind of, I think, the where that pressure starts to come on. Yeah. And, and I think that I, I would call it good pressure, like pressure that I look forward to. It's it's that championship game type pressure. Maybe a little bit of butterflies where this is a very close to potentially going bad. All yeah. that Swiss cheese is aligned. What's your mental state when you're on the pickle and you know... These are coming down on the shoot and they are trusting you with everything. Yeah. Well, I think, um, first and foremost, you put yourself in the shoes of the guy that's in the barrel, right? We, that's what we call it when you, when you're having a bad night behind the ship, in it's the a night in the barrel, right? Yep. And, um, most of us, if not all of us have had our night in the barrel and, and we, we, we remember and remember how that feels and we remember our hearts racing and, uh, we remember our cognitive ability while our heart's racing is not what it is when we're calm. And so as a paddles, when you're at one G as, as we call it, right, you're, you are not in the barrel. You have your wits about you and you know that your mission, your primary mission is to calm your buddy down. Right. And so your, your voice on the radio is going to be, Hey brother, I got you. Right. And we're probably going to call them out before they call the ball. Right. So if someone's having a really bad night, let's just say it's Susan. I know you. Yeah, never, go you probably, ahead, man. You, never, you probably never had your <laughs> night in the barrel. But 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 as you're as you're coming downwind, I'm going to say two zero three paddles. And you're going to say, hey, paddles, go ahead for two zero three. Hey, Susan, it's Barf. What's up, brother? Right. Yeah, hey, make, hey, Barf, I'm uh, I'm having a rough one up here. Buddy. <laughs> and, and you and I are going to make that connection instantly. And you're going to know that I'm on the pickle. And you called me Susan. After yeah. you called me 203, why? Yeah, because I want you to know exactly. I, I want to slow down your heart rate, right? As soon as you make an emotional connection, your heart rate's going to sl- start slowing down. Your brain is going to start working like I know it's supposed to and it is capable of. When your heart is racing and you're amped, uh, you just can't do that, right? So I'm going to do everything I can to get your heart rate down. I'm going to try to get your breathing down. I'm going to say, Hey brother, I gotcha. Right. And, and, um, I'm probably going to talk to you all the way around, right? If you're having a really bad night, we're going to, we're just going to be chatting. Um, it's going to be very informal. It's going to be, uh, all of the, the, the structured calm is going to go out the window and you and I are going to make a connection. Right. And, and, you know, I may talk you down, which is abnormal, right? Uh, normally we're calm out, as you mentioned, certainly during the daytime, even at night, it's after the ball call, it is supposed to be calm out. 
but I'm a lip lock is, is a term that we use, meaning I'm going to talk to you the entire way from your descent all the way through, uh, you stopping. So that's the, the entire intent is to calm you down and, and to get you in the right headspace to come aboard the boat and so you that do, you can you have do a one that, jack. You bring that heart rate down by taking it from two or three paddles to Susan, this is barf. Yeah. And it's a familiar voice and you've hit my, you've said my name. So yep. there's a connection and we're like, Hey man, I got your back. Yep. And you, you do that via your tone of voice, the language, all those things. Absolutely. You know, that, we, we use tone of voice all the time. Right. So if I, if I tell you, um, in a, in a standard pass, if you're on glide slope and all of a sudden you, you pull power and you're in a, a low energy state, and I say, little power, right? That's going to tell you both what I say and how I say it is going to help you understand how much power to use with your left hand, how much input to the throttle am I going to make. But if I say power, that is going to send a different signal, yep. and that's going to make you put your left hand in the corner, meaning put a whole lot of power onto the throttle. So it's not just what we're saying, but how we say it that matters so much. Little right for lineup. Right for lineup. It's two totally different things. Sure. Right? You're a little high. You're high. Right? Two totally different things. Same words, different delivery. Yeah, exactly. Very be very okay. careful with the high comments. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that we always joked around yeah. about like we would, you know, for for just messing with guys. And uh, we always messed with the opso. And so we'd always beg, you're high. You're still high. Go idle. You're super high. That is. You're yeah. high. Like, this would be an FCL piece. You did not do that. Yeah, good. You did not do that FCL, behind the boat. Not at the boat, but FCL piece. You're high. You're still high. Go idle. Like, you're super high. Speed you, breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Speed breaks. Uh, just to see what they would do. And, uh. Luckily, they didn't listen to us, yeah. which is good because they knew we were just messing with them. Yeah, I wonder why you guys weren't great behind the boat. We were awesome behind the boat. Yeah. We were the best manual squadron at the aircraft carrier my last cruise. Because you were the only manual Absolutely. squadron. Absolutely. We were first place. Yeah. First place. <laughs> All right. Back on the tracks. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. All right. So you, you got to go to LSO school, got to be an instructor, which is pretty rare for Marines, right? Yeah. The, it wasn't unprecedented, right? I mean, there, there was... Uh, there have been a handful of us that that go and and do that gig, and it's a great gig, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you had your dog at work with you. Oh, it's the best. That was the best. <laughs> like literally, Hank is walking around Hank, the, the classroom. He, I used to take him to the Oak Club. Do you remember? Oh man, that's oh, and and Phyllis at the Oak Club loved that I would bring Hank in, and she would ask. And Hank was a puppy, if you remember. Uh, Hank is a is an English yellow Labrador retriever who is my firstborn son and a, a extremely obedient dog. And we used to have so much fun, man. He would come to work with me every single day and sleep at my feet, yeah. come into the classroom Dude, he would me. sit in the aisle in the class in at the also class. school <laughs> yeah. and just like, yes. hey, no big deal. Yes. We're going to watch Crash and Burn videos and Hank's, yeah. Hank's gonna, over here. We're going to teach the philosophy of paddles. So how to win hearts and LSO minds. LSO school, hearts and minds. Yeah. What was your philosophy of teaching at LSO school? Well, I think as an LSO school instructor, 
you are training the trainers, right? So you are teaching people to be teachers. So it was really important for us to set the example of what good teaching looks like. And, and first and foremost, that is being real, right? And, and um, breaking down the formality and nobody learns really well when it's a formal environment where you are, you know, you're being very specific about exact science of things. Um, people learn by doing. People learn by seeing, uh, by hearing, right? There are different ways we all learn. But most importantly, you have to put people at ease, put them in comfort zones, and uh, create relationships. I mean, it all comes back to that. And so, um, you know, my mentor at the LSO school was Weeds, right? You remember Weeds? Yep. Weedertz. And, and Weeds just had, had an incredible way about him that was clearly a subject matter expert. He uh, owned the understanding of the material, um, but he delivered it in, in, in a real way, um, confident and comfortable and casual, uh, encouraged dialogue and debate and even dissent. Um, and I think uh, that really struck a chord with me because it was fun to do, right, as I started to understand and, and own uh, the conceptual nature of, of, of the art of Vanna Paddles. Um, it became really fun to teach it, to debate it. And, um, I don't know, it was just, it, it was a dialogue. It was, it was awesome. I loved every minute of being an LSO school instructor, both, both at the LSO school and at VFA 106, which was the, the RAG or the fleet replacement squadron that, that, uh, taught new pilots how to fly the F-18 and, and to bring them to the boat, um, for their first time in the in the f-18 um i just couldn't have asked for a better tour for me it was awesome so it was so you said changing habit patterns and yeah. building relationships yeah absolutely like hearts and minds yeah. dale carnegie kind of stuff it it is okay so we have a uh we have a small example that goes back to 2013 <laughs> of susan when i was young 2013 uh, went from a boat squadron to a UDP squadron. We're deployed, and we have a lieutenant colonel guest IP who decides, uh, well, who got to fly with us. And, and what happens here, folks, is we have a, a, a gear issue, and Landing being the gear. only paddles in the squadron, I'm the only one that's been essentially trained to take care of this. And Barf being my paddles mentor, you know, the, my go-to for any type of paddles issues. That is I, scary. I email him after this issue. And this is the email that I sent from myself to Barf in... Where were you? This today? is April 1st, 2013 from Isa Air Base, Bahrain. Bahrain. Bahrain to Barf. And it goes like this, so please just bear with us, folks. It starts off, dude, question for you. Been out of the boat game for a few months and want to make sure I'm not going insane. Just had a dude with a planning link failure come in for a trap. He took off and the left main mount got stuck halfway up 
and wouldn't retract all the way with the gear door closed partially on the tire. He had the gear tone and the flashing light in the handle. Visual inspection after dropping the gear looked okay. Airfield rigged the gear and the pilot came in for a trip. I wasn't able to make it out to the runway to get comms with the pilot, so he came in for his own arrestment. I made it out there just in time to see him touch down about 400 feet short of the gear and pull the throttles to idle. I debriefed him on where we want to land with any type of planning link slash controllability issue shooting for 50 feet prior to the gear or as close to it as possible and bringing the throttles to mill in case of a hook skip bolter to maintain that flyaway airspeed just in case he really had a main mount collapse or something similar. This dude, who is a lieutenant colonel, didn't agree. And he said he'd never heard of it going to mill for a short field arrestment in 15 years in the cockpit. He seemed surprised when I explained to him that quote-unquote flyaway airspeed is what saves your life if you miss the wire and your gear decides to collapse. He didn't listen and acted as if it was a new concept. I want to break his fucking face. Wanted to get a sanity check on this, so drop me a line and let me know your thoughts. Hope all's well with the family. Cheers, Susan. To which Barf replied, Susan. Interesting emergency. The right answer is to target 50 feet in front of the arresting gear and leave the throttles where they were. If you land 400 feet in front of in front and go to mill, you rotate prior to the gear. But if you go to idle, your concern for flyaway airspeed is valid. Remember that relationships are the bedrock of our ability to modify behavior. So be careful how you handle the all-knowing lieutenant colonel. Good luck. Stay out of jail and keep me posted. Barf. <laughs> and the spot on, dude. It's like exactly. I mean, if, if you read that email without any names, they'd be like, oh, that's Susan and Barf. Like, oh, no big deal. But so the connection to that, you talked about habit patterns, relationships, and, you know, trust yeah. you had mentioned earlier. Yeah. So but we've we've got a, a resistant individual to a, yeah. to guidance. I mean, it's not about being right. It's about being effective, right? So how can we teach this all-knowing lieutenant colonel um, the appropriate way to respond to that emergency? And, and the answer is first you need to build trust, right? He needs to believe that what you're saying is not only coming from a competent individual, but someone that he respects and, and, and will listen to first and foremost. You could be absolutely 100% right in your response, which you, you were directionally accurate in this case. Sure. <laughs> Not 100% right. <laughs> um, but regardless, you need to build trust first, right? And, and, and that's the most important thing, whether we're talking about being a paddles and flying or whether we're talking about leadership in the C-suite or on the manufacturing shop floor um, or wherever we are in the real world. Uh, we, we have to build trust with, with our team first uh, first and foremost, even before we care about the quality of the solution that we're we're providing. So. Nice, I dig that email, man. That cracks me up. Every, <laughs> it is I, funny. Oh, I see it. I'm like, when, that is spot on. You sent that to me a, what a month or two ago, and I was I was just giggling. To just myself. exactly. Like, it's a 2013 Susan Barf, Lieutenant Colonel, and yeah, that's exactly where I was at. I was like, I want to remember this guy. that relationships are the bedrock of our ability to modify behavior. <laughs> and that was that do was, not <laughs> punch him in the fucking face. Don't go punch yeah. a <laughs> lieutenant colonel. It's not going to work out. All right, all right. 
I know. <laughs> All right. So that was the philosophy of teaching building habit patterns. Awesome. All right. So what was your what was your favorite aspect about being a paddles? I mean, if there is a favorite one, what would it be? I would say the brotherhood, right? I mean, I, I think being a part of that fraternity was a whole lot of fun, right? We were we were a group of guys from different squadrons that would come today to come together every fifth day, and and have a day away from the ready room, our where we spend most of our lives on deployment, and and we would get to interface with the rest of the air wing see different faces, build different relationships, make different jokes. Um, you know, port calls were a whole lot of fun. I think yeah. we're going to get into that a little bit later. Yeah. But So that was part of the role of paddles, right? Yeah. So how did how was paddles involved in not just being LSO stuff? Yeah, I mean, so we would, you know, you pull into port, and paddles was really responsible to put together the social aspect of of how we gather when we're off the ship, right? Hey, we're going to meet at, at this bar at this time on this day, and this is the theme. We're going to meet at that bar on that day at this time, and the theme is different, right? And and we just just had a whole lot of fun, man, and, and that was all a part of building trust and relationships. We think it's all shenanigans, but it's, it's, it's more than shenanigans. We love the shenanigans part. Yeah. Um, but it was about being the good dudes in the air wing that people want to hang around with and, and break bread with and have a beer with. And, and ultimately when the shit goes bad or goes south, you're having your night in the barrel. Hey man, Barf was drunk last week in, in port, but, but he's got my back. He's good now, man. He's right? sober now. I am so, <laughs> I am so glad to hear his voice on the radio. Right. I know that's Barf. And I'm so glad he's. Yeah, up there. I, I mean, trust that guy. That is, and and that rarely happened, I'm sure. But that is what motivated me to be a paddles, and to be a good one. Hopefully, did you guys ever do feats of strength? Oh my god! What did you guys do feats of strength? Uh, we did a couple things. Is this, <laughs> uh, is one, this a... one in particular? Uh, so 2009. Uh, just for the listeners out there, just to remind you that the Steelers won the Super Bowl. Uh, and being a Pittsburgh kid, uh, yeah. Should I yeah. mention where I'm from? Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland Browns fan. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, we'll keep it in here. Yeah. Uh, so, Continue. 2009, the Pittsburgh Steelers won the Super Bowl, and I happened to be on board a ship watching the Steelers uh, win that Super Bowl. Um, and during halftime, uh, two of our, one of our biggest guys from the Snakes. And one of the biggest guys from VFA 147 meet in our raid room and they have a feats of strength to eat 50 hard boiled eggs. Oh, each. like this is cool hand Luke. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so they're already peeled. So who's from the snakes? Who's representing the snakes? Um, this was uh, dingo. Um, dinger. Dinger. Shit. Can't remember. That's all right, Dinger. Dinger. And then we had a dude from, who is it? 147. 147. Argos. All right. And th- th- these guys get together. <laughs> 50 hard-boiled eggs. 50 hard-boiled <laughs> eggs. Already peeled. Okay. Ready in a bowl. And we had uh, a 50-gallon drum trash can, right? And they they start going at it, man. It's, for, it's a race. 
No, no, they just have to do it during halftime. That's well, it. Well, the race, the time, the time constraint is half-time. the halftime show. Okay, right. And so they're pounding them, oh, boom, boom, gosh. and they're they're killing it. They're making it happen, and they get. I would say Dinger probably got to forty-two or so, and uh, absolutely violently began to projectile vomit. I mean, <laughs> in a way that it, totally sober, totally sober in, in a way that still haunts me today. Okay. Uh, so that would be probably oh the most significant feats of strength. So he had other feats of strength. Uh, Dinger did. So he, was there any rules to keep it down? Well, I think nobody really won because nobody got through the 50 hard bowled legs. Okay. I mean, they both booted in, in yeah, yeah. an intense way. <laughs> prior to the 50 but i think dinger outlasted 147 so. Oh, so the uh dingman the most recent uh feats of strength i was a part of was a most corn dogs you can eat in 15 minutes and there was an eight man battle there was six squadrons so there was four uh hornet growler combination hornet growler um Rhino squadrons, and then to 60 squadrons. And then we had keg paddle. We had a, we had a keg staff. Anyway, there's eight people. And this is down in wardroom one, you know, mm-hmm. forward wardroom. And they set up this, this big, long table, almost looked like a, just like a boardroom table where they had each dude, eight dudes. And we had we had paddles that actually organized. It was it was Wonk course. and OnStar and OnStar, and we helped set it up. So we yes. went down to the, the you know the kitchen. And we're like, hey, can we get this many corn dogs? They're like, yeah, no worries. And we gave them a bunch of patches and coins, and you know took care of the sailors, you know, doing all the work. And uh, we're like, come on down and watch. It's going to get ridiculous. So eight dudes, um, we had garbage cans ready to go, um, and from VMFA three twelve checkerboards, we had Dwim Riley. Dwim. So Dwim Riley, plug for Dwim, used to be a college collegiate swimmer and barely missed the U.S. Olympic team by like a couple tenths of a second. And at one time, ate 17 McDonald's McChicken sandwiches in one sitting. 17. Yeah. He split a 30-pack of McChicken sandwiches with a buddy. But he's like, dude, in college you burn swimming 50,000 calories a day. It's no big deal. So so Dwim Dwim gets the nod. And, uh... Anyway, CAG, uh, he's, he's got the timer. And each... CAG did. CAG had Who the timer. Who was CAG? Oh, gosh. I, if I heard that he name, I would know. Um, super salty, bro. Old Tomcat guy. Um, I can't remember, but... No, nobody likes Tomcat guys. Okay, so... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> but so he's... The whole... I mean, it, it's packed. It's shoulder... I mean, we're shoulder to shoulder up there. And each competitor came into almost like a UFC song. They had a song and an entourage and, and <laughs> Dwim rolls into uh West side connection bow down. If you can remember that one, I don't. Okay. Not important, but he had a robe on. We had taped his hands up like he was a boxer. I mean, just ridiculous. And this is, this isn't even deployment. This is like workups, you know, but it gets down to, uh, so 15 minutes goes, and there's, I think each guy had crushed like 14 or 15 corn dogs. It was hard to watch, man. It was really like, <laughs> oh, this is getting bad. But anyway, there was overtime between two dudes. 
And so we didn't, we hadn't thought of a tiebreaker. So CAG was like, all right, hey, um, one corn dog, it's a race. So hands behind your back. When I say go, first one to crush the corn dog wins. And it was 800 bucks because we had all chipped in money. It was, it was actually like a legitimate prize. So 800 bucks. But dude, it was, this was uncomfortable. Like, competition I've ever seen because these dudes are standing there in front of this table next to each other. There's corn dogs, one corn dog in front of each of them. And the clock starts and they just go, <laughs> just going to town. And you're like, oh, dude, That's this awful. is rough. Uh, but the one dude, Dwim won. No, Dwim lost. Oh, he didn't make it to overtime. He didn't qualify. Like, he made it, well, first round. But Dwim got a, we gave him an admin uh, purple heart. You know, <laughs> just for showing up. Um, but he was like, he went back to his room. He's like, Susan, fuck you, man. I puked my guts out. I was like, hey, man, you're the only dude that can eat 17 McChicken sandwiches. You know, uh, that's funny. So, um, oh, dude, that was that was ridiculous. But it was super fun. But the shenanigans. So that goes into not only do paddles safely help you get aboard, they coordinate fun. Yeah, that's that's the job. Man, that's awesome. It is awesome. It's the greatest job on the planet. 50 hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. Oh, Awful. Dude. Dinger. So your favorite part was being just part of the group, being part of that fraternity. Yeah, I mean, it was a great group of guys. And um, I loved I loved everything about it. I, I loved uh, keeping people safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved the relationships that you build. Uh, I loved the fun that we had and coordinated in port. Um, I loved teaching I loved mentoring. I mean, it was just, it was, it was everything that I love. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Really. But there's also, there's also some challenging parts that come with that. So talk about a little, the, 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 maybe the difficult debrief where you got to give a dude some bad news Yeah. where maybe he's scaring some people. Yeah. And you know, we, we, it's mostly happy, joke around, have a good time, but there's that time where some guys are, they're on the radar Yep. And you got to give him bad news. He's got to change his habit patterns. Yeah. What was your attitude towards that that debrief, like that approach? And how did you combine the delivery, so the method in which you presented yeah. the message and the message itself? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And I think fundamental to what it is to be a paddles, right? And how do, how do you deal with the, the the difficult conversations and and I think the most most important aspect of this is the relationship that is built built before you get to that point where you have to have a tough conversation and um, the trust that you build in the in the weeks and months and years before that difficult conversation allow you to have those difficult conversations from the perspective of hey brother I'm not mad at you. I care deeply about you and I don't want anything bad to happen to you. So you can't ever do that again. You ha- you have to listen to me when I tell you to add power to the jet, right? Or you can't pull power at that point in the past or else you're going to, you're going to plummet into the back of the ship. Um, I think uh, that those conversations are actually not hard. Right, so you can have some bad behavior behind the ship, and you, if you have done your your work as a paddles to build trust, and you have that hard conversation, they know instantly that you're coming from 
a good place to keep them safe, right? And that's, that's actually not a hard conversation to have. The conversations that get contentious are the ones that are with some of the senior guys in the air wing, and, and you have to tell them, hey, today wasn't your best night, and, and you got you got a fair pass or a, a no-grade pass, and, and they don't think you know what you're talking about. And that happens, but it's like water off a duck's back, right? Um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna necessarily affect that those guys um, in the way that you want to. Uh, you just have to suck it up and understand. Hey, you know, he he may think I'm wrong tonight, but uh, I know I'm gonna keep him safe in the future if he needs me. Mm-hmm. So you're brief, you're debriefing him because you're on primary in a scenario where you've got a contentious. You know, dude, he's providing some resistance. Like, not oh, paddles. You're wrong. Yeah. Where does CAG paddles fall into that? So, so CAG paddles uh, will never allow that to happen overtly, right? It it rarely happens overtly. So, if if it were to happen, uh, CAG paddles is going to step in and say, "Hey, Skipper or XO, um, let's let's talk in the hallway real quick." And everybody's going to know what they're talking about. Right. Right. Everybody's going to know that that behavior is not acceptable. Um, most of the time it's going to be passive and it's going to be walking away in a disgruntled manner. Um, it's going to be nonverbal, right. That you have to deal with and whatever, just water off a duck's back. Right. I mean, I know you're seeing something different than I'm seeing, right. You're, in a, you're not seeing the deck go down, right? You can't see that. It's okay. Right. Right. It's, and it's, it's, a good, it's a good lesson for the rest of life, right? Your perception of reality and my perception of reality are coming from two different places regardless of this scenario, right? Because of our personal experiences in life. And we always have to remember that, Right. And, and this little microcosm of that is, is in a much shorter 15-second time span, right? But what you saw and what I saw may be different, but you have to give me the benefit of the doubt as a paddles that I have your best interest in mind. And if I give you a power call, it's not because I any other reason other than I want to keep you safe. Right. Right? So just, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just do it, man. Just do it. <laughs> so brief up. Uh, brief side story on the difficult debrief. And I mean, I was super junior young paddles and I was with Wonk again, Wonk's, you know, paddles hero. And, uh, and one of my good buddies. So there was, we, a, we cruise together. You know that, right? Yeah. 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 Um, he's well, got a really two, cool two, story with the Libyans. You ever heard? I don't know. If it's I don't that's think that's not classified. Never mind. Anyway. Um, he, uh, so, this dude, I'm on primary. This guy has thrown four or five a little low all the ways or a little settle at the ramp or a little, you know, but consistently below glide path. Yeah, just tickling it in. And it just, oh, yeah, just the tip, you know. So I was like, all right. Well, Barf taught me habit patterns, right? So I'm like, this guy has a habit pattern to stay low. But also... Having been taught that little comments traditionally lead to an okay pass. If you're a little high, it's an okay pass. But you can also be a little settle or a little low, and it'd also be an okay pass. So he was, I think his motive was grade-centric rather than safety. So 
I'm being traditional Susan. And I'm like, I'm going to give this dude some bad news because that's okay with me. And I said, hey, uh, I read him, yeah, you know, uh, a little low all the way for the fair two wire. And he was like, excuse me? So, I mean, this is in the ready room. Everyone's there. And I, I kind of anticipated this, so I, maybe it was a little bit prepped for it. I was like, yeah. He's like, all little comments are an okay pass. And he was senior to me. And not, not a problem because I was a captain, so everybody's senior to me. But I was like, uh, I was like, yeah. I was like, your last four passes have all been low. Four in a row. This is your fifth. Five low passes. Their last four were okay passes. I was like, you're barely below glide slope. All you got to do is add barely a little power and you'll be on glide slope or above. And then there's no issue, but you're consistently low. And I, I said it very calm like this. He's like, well, little, little, little comments are an okay pass. And before I could even say anything, there's a hand that touches my shoulder. <laughs> Reaching up. And Reaching up to touch your shoulder. Grabs my shoulder. Yeah, reaching up a little bit. <laughs> hey, Wonk, I love you, brother. And it's Wonk. And he's like, hey, Susan, I got this. And every all the other paddles knew. They didn't say anything. They'd just walk out. I was like, okay. And because uh, I had talked to Wonk beforehand about it. I was like, is this okay? I'm, I'm a new guy. Is this, you know, and I explained my rationale. Consistently low, consistently low and grade centric. And Wonk like, dude, you're, you're in the right, man. He's like. If that dude, the random night, he's underpowered for whatever, if he's flying at a little low all the way and he's under, so he's like, he's erring on the side of danger, vice caution. So Wonk's like, I got your back, dude, go ahead. Debrief this guy. And he, Wonk knew, he was ready. (laughs) He was like, I got it. And he just tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, Susan, I got it. And I just walked away. And But he was really cool to see. That was my first time CAG paddles. Just took the reins. It was like, brother, I got you. Yeah. And I got your back take, first off. Yeah, that's what paddles does, right? Yep. We take care of each other. We take care. I mean, that's that is who we are. And yep. and the, the cool part is, um, with a grade, it isn't about the grade. It's about behavior modification, right? I'm I'm going to incentivize you to get the ball above the datums. I'm going to, which means I'm going to get I'm going to get to the other side of glide slope, right? I want you on the high side of glide slope, so don't do that again. You're, you're really good at what you do. It's a little low all the way. That's very good. Don't do that anymore. You've done it five times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good walk. Yeah, good. And walk, I asked him, I was like, how'd that go, man? And he was like, he's like, I took care of it, bro. Don't, Don't worry, worry about, about it. it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. No big deal. Yeah, you know? it doesn't matter. But, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So this is the meat and potatoes, uh, the biggest one. We talked about it in like the first 60 seconds, but yeah. the paddles factor and we've connected it to, you know, a lot of different things, but first off, can you break it down? What is the paddles factor? And then second part is, does it apply in the corporate world? And also as a father, as a husband, and as a fellow employee working with a lot of different people. Yeah. So, so I would say that, the, the reoccurring theme of the discussion around pat, being a paddles is about trust, right? And building relationships, being a good dude, the good dude factor, right? It's, um, it's, it is more about who you are than what you know. It's more about how you treat people with respect and dignity. 
than it is about anything else. And um, I think that that's probably the most profound uh, lesson that I took away from the military writ large is um, how we treat each other uh, is what being an effective leader is all about. If we're talking about being a leader, it's all about um, behavior modification, really. Like, how do you how do you come to how do you bring others to your way of thinking without a carrot or a stick? Right. I, I don't have something. Wait, to say that, say that one more time. How do we get others to come to our way of thinking without a carrot, incentive, yep. or a stick, yep. discipline? Got right? it. And and the really it's all about trust and relationships and building this bond with each other to say, hey, if you tell me something, I'm going to listen to you with intent and interest and intellectual honesty because I, I, I trust you and I respect you and I, and I believe you. Right? So that, you've been in the corporate game for how, a few uh, years now? About eight years, yeah. Okay, so there's a direct correlation. Oh, it, it, and, and it's not a small one. Because you're operating with, hundreds thousands of people now yeah yeah vice already room of 15 uh, an air wing of a couple hundred i mean it's a it's a large organization it's a a very large organization have you had to um modify your i guess perspective because having gone to deal with fighter pilots and navy and marine corps and various all the military services to now civilian world it's a very different dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there's enormous um, ties that I pull from the military, and specifically being a paddles into corporate leadership. Um, but there are differences, right? And and there are some things that I've learned about the civilian world that have really helped me to understand how to be a better leader in, in significant and positive ways. Um, but it's it's the it's the combination of those lessons learned and experiences that that really become valuable. So um, certainly, when we talk about being a paddles and building trust and relationships, that has enormous, profound, positive impact on on corporate and civilian leadership. I mean, the guys who get off the deck in a Marine squadron or a Navy squadron are the guys who take care of the Marines that are launching them, right? The guys who are jerks to the Marines, the maintenance Marines, <laughs> they, it's weird, but their jets go down for oh, maintenance yeah, you a got lot more often. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got issue. Oh, you're hidely. I'm sorry, yeah. sir, I can't help you. Sorry, Your you're jet's down. down. Yeah. Right? That's real. But, but when you're a good dude and you take care of the Marines and you're a good-hearted, good person, they will walk on hot coals for you to get you airborne. They don't have the same sense of urgency and incentive to get a jerk airborne, right? And that is so true. I mean, oftentimes people look at military veterans as, okay, you're going to be very rigid and you're going to be very much hierarchical. Um, It's chain of command stuff. The reality is in our experience as as carrier-based fighter pilots, good dudes win the day. Right. That that's like building trust and relationships wins the day, not hierarchy and structure necessarily. 
And I think that translates enormously well into, into a corporate structure. But one of the things that I learned in the corporate world is that um, some of the toughness uh, actually can work against you, right? So when you're trying to, um, safety is an example. When we're trying to drive a culture of safety and lowering our risk tolerance and recognizing the hazards that might be around us, when we say, hey, no, that's no big deal, that's just a, uh, it's just a flesh wound, it's not really an yeah. it's Money not really an injury. <laughs> it's merely a flesh wound. <laughs> it's merely a flesh wound. <laughs> it's not really an injury. Right. I don't need to report that or talk about it. Um, well, that's covering up a problem, mm-hmm. right? That normally, hey, we should probably talk about that, right? And 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 that's a deviation from the expectation. That's a deviation from the expected standard. So, although it may not be a big deal because you're tough and you can handle it, and I'm not talking about toughness here. I just want to know that there's a deviation from the expected standards so that I can get to the root cause and solve the problem and get better as an organization. So there, I, I lear- I've learned a lot in the, in the civilian world. Um, but the lessons that I learned as a Marine as a, and as a fighter pilot uh, carry a lot of water into what we're doing today. Okay. So how does the paddles factor connect to or... If it does, how does it to being a dad and a husband? Um, I need to get better at both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, they are absolutely are the, in, the, in, in line with everything that we're talking about, right? I mean, I think uh, building relationships and trust apply to our relationships yeah. at home as much as, as or maybe more so than, than, than <laughs> yeah. anywhere. Otherwise, you're going to get stabbed while you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. One day, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, being a dad in particular, we, we talk about petting feathers as being a paddles, right? You remember us talking about that? Yeah. Right? So when, when we're grading and, and we're, we're, we're making people feel good all the time and we're, we're saying, hey, brother, I got you. It wasn't your best pass, but, hey, you're heading in the right direction. And we're, 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 when, when we say petting feathers, we're making you feel comfortable even when I'm giving you course corrections. Yeah, you're, you're giving me bad news, but I feel good about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. So that when there's a problem and I say, Susan, don't ever fucking do that again. You go, holy cow, Barf is serious. Like he's always like gentle and he's always looking out for me. This time I did something that stopped him in his tracks. Mm-hmm. And that is how we modify behavior, right? But if I'm always telling you that this is life or death, it becomes normalized and yeah, numb less to it. significant. You become numb to it, right? And I think with with children, uh, it's it's the same, right? So I need to be able to pull my boys aside. So I obviously I need to build that relationship and trust with them and and pet feathers, not coddling them. Not everybody gets a trophy. I'm not talking about that happy horse shit. I am not built that way. You got to earn it. You got to earn it. You got to earn it. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not a strict dad where I'm going, you got to be perfect all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm loving on them. I'm giving them hugs and, and making them feel like they're, they're making me happy all the time. So that when they do something that really disappoints me, I can sit them down and say, Hey, that disappoints dad. Right. And that is a heavy heart when 
yeah. when dad sits oh, you down, dude. right? It says crushing your hey, soul there, right? man. Oh, that dad's behavior, disappointed. Yeah. That behavior disappoints me. Don't ever talk to my wife like I just saw you talk to my wife. That's not your mom. That's my wife. Right? That's heavy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm having flashbacks right yeah. now. I'm totally like, oh, I dude, I remember. I yeah. remember. Oh, right? man. That's a great one. That's legit. Petting feathers. Petting feathers so that when you have something serious to talk about, yikes. So this is, this is in keeping with paddles, and I hadn't thought about this at all. So this is literally, you just brought back a, a T-45 boat memory. And who's your T-45 boat paddles? Do you remember? I could I could draw him and describe him, but I couldn't remember his name. He was a Navy 04, and this was in VT-21. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember. Red Hawks. I couldn't remember. If I heard the call sign, I would know. Uh, so we'll go out to the boat. Cool. Rock and roll. Day one's over. Five traps. Awesome. Uh, debrief time. You know, pulls me aside. And I was... Gwat, the Gobel War on Terror. <laughs> I was, I was Gwat. So he's like, "Hey, Gwat, you ready for a debrief?" I'm like, "Yeah." And I literally am thinking, I just set a record for the best five paddles, best five passes at an aircraft carrier in history. I'm like, I'm the best damn thing that ever lived. I just flew five okay passes in a row. I'm gonna get top hook. I'm the best ever. Like I, I think I just crushed it. I mean, and my confidence is like, dude, I'm I'm top of the chain right now. I'm the best, and I'm walking around the boat. It's like weird. I'm, I'm the surprised best. you thought that. I, I really did. And, and Twin was there with me, and there's a whole bunch of dudes you would know that were there with me. And I'm like, man, I'm killing it, killing. It. And then did I, I take you to the boat in the Hornet? No. Ah, uh, bummer. No, except uh, you were my class advisor. Okay. You were on the boat. You waved us, but you didn't leave me out there. Uh, it was, it was an all marine division that went out. Nice. And uh, led by then, oh, it'll come to me. Anyway, no worries. But so I finished my first, this is specific to the debrief and petting feathers connection. So I think I just rocked it. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm getting top hook. Guaranteed. I'm the best, right? <laughs> so he pulls me aside, real, real, real gentle, real casual. He's like, hey, G-Watt. He's like, hey, man. Um, all right, so. Not a not a not a terrible first day, and, and I was like, not a terrible first day. What are you talking about? I, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, that's the best damn first day in history. Uh, he's like, not a terrible first day. He's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, a couple things, you know, for tomorrow. Um, he's like, hey, just make sure you fly the ball all the way to touchdown, okay? And he's like, uh, just don't stare at the deck. So he's like, hey, stare at the ball, focus on the ball, reference the deck, and just fly it all the way to touchdown, you know? But. Dude, good work today. You got any questions? I was don't like, reference the deck. Look long for lineup. How yeah, can we? Yeah, can we say yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Like, don't spot the deck, <laughs> and don't stare at the deck and point my nose at it. Uh, and he's like, "Hey, you got any questions?" I was like, "No." I was like, "Okay, man. We'll see you tomorrow. Good work." And that was it. So I, I it was a gentle beating. Yeah, that I didn't know was a gentle beating. Was needed. Yeah, yeah. and I so. I had a little, you know, come to Jesus. I'm like, don't stare at the deck. Don't spot the deck. And I, I talked to a couple guys. Like, you know, I, I obviously I paid attention 40% of the time in battles briefs. So what does that mean? And uh, you're they're catching like, the one or the two. Yep. They're like, dude, you're staring 
at the deck. Yeah. And if you can see a wire when you catch a wire, that means you're landing pretty early, bro. So I was like, oh, no shit. Okay. So next day, I'm the very, very first launch of the day. That is awesome, by the way. Right. But it was also because uh, I'll get to the reason why in a second. So I'm the very first launch. And I kind of psyched myself out. So the night before, pretty nervous. I'm like, why did... I talked to the other guys about their debriefs, and they were all just like, dude, you're killing it. Way to fly the ball. You're the best. And I'm like, he didn't tell me I'm the best. Well, I'm a suck. So my day that I thought was awesome probably wasn't that awesome. <laughs> so I was, I was pretty nervous, man. So got up the next morning and, and barely slept. Drank a five-hour energy. Oh, that's good for you. Totally. That's good for you when yeah. you're flying the ball. Absolutely. And uh, told, I, I, the one thing I told myself was like, dude, just have fun. This is very rare. We're going to go land an aircraft on a boat in the middle of the ocean. This is ridiculous. And just have some damn fun, which I didn't tell myself prior. I was more stressed out about top hook, top hook. Uh, cool. So finish up, uh, get my five traps. And they're like, hey, you're shot to the beach. Cool. So cat to the beach, uh, get the call. Hey, you're a qual. Everything's great. Rah, rah, rah. I'm like, awesome. And I'm like, top hook, top hook. So fast forward, gosh, two years, and I'm in Buford. I check into my squadron, and we check in with our training jacket and all our grades and stuff, which I had never actually gone through. <laughs> I've never looked at. I've never really looked at because I just like, here, here's all my paperwork, you know, wherever you checked in. And I flip to the one section randomly as I'm waiting in the mag ops office, which was it was T45 boat, so CQ T45. And they had my grades. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no shit. And I take a look at the grades, and day one, take a wild guess what I did on day one. Five. Five. Cinco in a row. One wires. Oh. Five in a row. I had no idea. I mean, I didn't. Now I know, because if you land and you can... So yeah. early that yeah. I, I didn't know. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm the best ever. I landed. I'm not dead. Five one wires and I've, you thought you were. Like, I didn't know hot. they were even one because you didn't get passes. You didn't get debriefed. It was just you didn't die. And I didn't know. So this this comes back to the debrief itself. I didn't know how bad I did. I didn't know that I was one bolter, one anything other than an okay pass, one wave off, one anything other than a safe fair slash okay pass away from DQing. I didn't know that. Probably like, good. Very good. Yeah. I didn't need to know that. It's no. amazing, you know, the, the amount of um, psychology and understanding yes. that has gone into teaching like pre-winged someday pilots on, hey, what can we tell them and what can we not? If we tell them too much, we're going to get it in their heads and they're going to be a disaster the next day. Right, it's it's amazing. It was the perfect level of, you know, feather petting. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Because had he told me, "Hey, bro, you fucking suck." Yeah, you hit five aces in a row, and the yeah. you know, and then you was, hit another was, one, you're done. Yeah, and it was it was like high, 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 fly through down one. Yeah, high, 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 fly through down one. And now every, I was like, oh, dude, but he knew exactly what to tell me and what not to tell me, and also I think more importantly how to tell me that yeah, 
not what you say, it's how you say it, right? And he didn't come up to me with like, you're terrible. Hey, which, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst ever. Um, but that was a petting feathers, man. It and, is. And the delivery. So I was like, holy shit, I sucked. Uh, anyway. You know what's interesting is, is that um, depending on who you're talking to, you might have to take a different approach, right? So if I know that, that you're a, a stress ball, which I, I mean, I might tell you something different than if you're overconfident or if you have uh, some confidence problems, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach each one of those three students differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a, it's an exercise in psychology. That's another thing I love being about being a paddle. Dude, that really is. And something that translates into being a leader and a manager in the corporate world too, right? Because everybody on your team is going to be different. Mm-hmm. They're going to absorb information differently. They're going to absorb the debrief, quote unquote, differently. Right. So that can delivery, I, can I be direct? you adjust it? You oh, adjust the sure. delivery. Absolutely. Can I be direct with you? Do you appreciate directness or do I need to be kind of roundabout? Do I need to pet your feathers? Do I need to be hard on you? I mean, it's, we're not the same. And uh, our effectiveness as a leader needs to be, uh, we need to we need to change our interaction to be effective given the person that we're talking to, Dude. interacting with. Gnarly. They knew if we tell Gwat that he's won anything other than an okay pass from failing, that's not going to help him. And they knew that. And I'm sure they were like, this dude's not going to make it, which is actually why they launched me first. So they put me first on the launch because they're like, he's going to punt it away early. We'll just send him to the beach or get somebody else in the jet. Yeah. They banked. Like, they were like, the probability is this dude's going to screw it up. Yeah. And which is fair after five aces in a row. How's this dude going to recover? And crazy thing, just by kind of relaxing and saying, dude, have some fun. Yeah. And don't spot the deck yeah. and fly the ball all the way to touchdown. Hey, isn't uh, that a rule? Don't we have a rule? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we're going to get to that in a second here. Oh, uh, don't do, don't do I, that. I would never do that. I would never do that. But um, Gosh, I'm not going to remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun here in about five, five minutes, folks. Stick around. Um, but the... I mean, just the, the knowledge of being like, if they were like, dude, you suck, I would have ruined it. So, all right, cool. Moving on. This is where it gets fun. Are you ready? No. All right, this is the speed round of awesomeness. We talked about the paddles factor, the moral of the story here, and, and how it applies to everyday life. This is where I surprise barf. And this round for today is called... Um, <laughs> How to throw a bar front of the bus. Uh, <laughs> That's not hard. All right. So it goes like this. And, and man, this is all paddle it's stuff. It's been eight years, dude. All paddle stuff. So before FCL, every FCLP brief, there's a joke. Remember? Yes. Barf, joke, go. Oh, fuck. Go. No mercy. Dude, I, I'm in the corporate world for Doesn't eight matter. years. I have no, no excuses, more jokes. Dude, rule number 76, no excuses. <laughs> Play like a champion. What's your joke? <laughs> Jesus. I have, dude, stop it. No, it no, counts. I have, I have no joke. All right, I got one. Because I, I knew you wouldn't have one. Yeah. Because, dude, are you kidding me? What do you call a fish with no eyes? I don't know. Oh, Jesus. That's all I got. All, all right. right. I knew you were going to punt that one. Next one. E-cat fly away. Go. 
Throttle max. Shit, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. Was I right on the first one? Oh, man. Give it to me. How about this one? Max rudder jet set. Now go. Max rudder jet set. Go. I have no idea, dude. Throttles. Throttles max. Rudder. Flow against your roll. Merge just button push. Oh, nice. Right? Set All 10 right. degrees on the water land. Don't exceed half lateral stick. Unable to rest your roll. Stop settle. Eject. There we go. <laughs> Team effort. Controls release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, rules, to, rules to live by. Go. Dude, this is absolutely ridiculous. I told you. Barf you goes realize. under the bus. <laughs> rules to live by. Go. You don't realize how long it's been since I thought about any of this Doesn't shit. Doesn't matter. Rules it's to live by. It's been eight years, dude. Go. Get one of them. Uh, never recenter a high ball and close. Okay, keep going. Uh, but that's one. Stop the rising ball. No. Well, yeah. that's part of one. Yeah, yeah, it's part of one. That's part of one. Keep going. Uh, fly the ball all the way to touchdown. Two. Battles is always right is the last one. Three. Never. Recenter a high ball and close. Or never. Uh, if low and slow, fix the low, then slow. If high and fast, fix the hat fast, not the high. Okay, that's five. You got two more. If fast and high, fix the high, not the fast, then the fast. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> wait, 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 let's start from the beginning. Give me, just give me the first, give me the first part, and then I think I can go. I'll give you the first rule, and you go with the rest. Okay, I'll never lead a low. Never lead a low. Never lead a low. Always lead a fast. No, never lead a low. Always lead a high. If low and slow, fix the low, then the slow. If high and fast, fix the fast, then the high. Never recenter a high ball and close, but stop the rising ball. If ah, I've, ah I can't remember. If if flat, I, you're, he's he's mimicking me. Son of I a bitch. Yeah, no, fly the. You already said it. Fly the ball all the way to touchdown. And paddles is always right. You got it. All right, I got to do that again, though. I haven't done that in eight years. You could, did you had five out of seven in a row. I know. It's amazing what is in the back of your brain. Right. If you just get like one thing. Never lead a low. Go. Never lead a low. Always lead a f- high. Uh, if low and slow, fix a low, then a slow. If high and fast, fix a fast, then the high. Uh, never recenter a high ball and close, but stop the rising ball. Ah, I've, uh, I can't remember that last one. Battles is always right. How now. long do you fly the ball? All the way to touchdown. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I knew this. It's, I was it's like, amazing. Oh, That's amazing. Man. That's amazing to like put me. It's still in there. It's, it's in, in the in back. There. It's amazing. Eight it's years. way in the back. Eight years. Oh, dude, it's hilarious. I knew it. I'm like, Barf is going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because that is such like... The mantra of the battles, it is those 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 rules of life. Oh man, it'd be fascinating. Tomorrow, I'm gonna like think about this. I'm gonna think. Yeah, it's gonna how be- do those rules of flying the ball apply to to life in general? I have no idea if they do, but it would be interesting. Anyway, okay. I don't think they do. When anybody listens to this, <laughs> when there are paddles or at the boat, they're gonna be doing the same damn thing. Yeah, I hope he so. can't fly away. Next one, jet set, and then. All right, so this is the last part. This is just, this is uh, still part of the Susan randomness. 
Um, so these were funny, you know, when, when you were teaching us to be paddles, you had a lot of one-liners. That's shocking. If my colleagues heard you say that, my, my current day colleagues heard you say that, they'd be like, oh, I'm shocked. No way. No way. <laughs> but you had one-liners that were barf-isms and that we took, like in the checkerboards, that was part of our kind of like squadron philosophy when it comes to paddle stuff. Yeah. And flying around the boat, you always said, hey, man, just BFM to the 90. <laughs> So these are translations. So Barf, translate for our studio audience. BFM to the 90. Just do what you have to do to get in the position that you need to be in at the 90. And, and so for the studio audience or for the listening audience, <laughs> the 90 is like, hey, you have 90 degrees of turn left and you're going to be staring at the aircraft carrier do whatever you have to do to get in a good spot there. That's it. Okay. It's not so hard. Get it's not there. hard. Make it happen. Make it fucking happen. All right, next one. Sometimes you need to just shake off a little lift. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't think that's that. me. No, because I remember this. Yeah, so that's a really bad thing to okay. say. What does that mean? Uh, so in the Hornet in particular, uh, if you are to... If you're a little high and you and you and you waggle waggle a little bit waggle your wings, yeah, you're gonna lose a lot of lift, which is gonna help you get to where you need to be. That is a horrible thing. That is not a technique that I would teach, and I can't believe that I would have said that to you. And I think I I was probably doing it in jest and being funny. Don't do that, young Jedi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, this one is direct. Hey, Susan, don't hit the back of the ship. Can you? Translate that one for us. Yeah, don't fuck it up. <laughs> I got that one specifically. I'm like, thanks, Barf. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, all right, here's one. No chance, paddles. No chance, paddles is one of my favorite sayings ever. Do you uh, still use it today? Oh, all the time. Right. Because I'm lucky enough to, to work with one of my favorite. So you can say it and people, he understands. Well, he understands. If we work together. and So what is no, no chance, paddles? No, no chance, paddles. It means no fucking chance. <laughs> Right, so that that term is coming from the air boss in the tower, and uh, we're trying to get the deck ready to land aircraft, and Paddles is absolutely scrambling to make sure that we've got the deck clear and everything is 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 good to go, and then all of a sudden, tower air boss will come up and say, "No chance, Paddles," which means wave them off, and uh, that is that is a great saying. Anytime there's no fucking way something's going to happen. No chance battles. No chance battles. Yeah. Uh, I still use, and I even, in text, I just type NCP. It's one of my favorite sayings. No chance battles. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So we got two things left. Um, Second to last is tough lessons learned. So we talked a little bit about, was there an experience for you that an unfortunate or almost unfortunate circumstance that resonated with you significantly and really made you kind of do a little bit of soul searching on this whole paddles thing and how to be a better paddles and what it means to be a paddles and all that stuff. And while you're, you know, marinating on it, my only story where I really thought a dude was almost going to die was again, 
uh, Wonk was there, OnStar was there, and I was on primary, and there's a growler coming down in the chute at night. No issues. Calm seas, good winds. Comes around, hey, uh, you know, I said, hey, Roger Ball, 25, 30 knots, whatever it was. And he was a little bit high the whole way, looking good, looking good, looking good, looking good. And then I remember a very significant sight picture where it looked like the aircraft froze, where it looked like it stopped in space, like it wasn't moving forward, it wasn't going up, wasn't going down, it just seemed like it froze for a second, and it was in the in-close position. And that was different, that wasn't something I had seen or experienced, but I recognized that, oh shit, he's about to go low, significantly. And as I keyed the little mic on primary on the radio to give him a screaming power call, as I was clicking it, the wave off slash screaming power calls were already coming out of backup. Wonk. And I, I can't remember if it was Wonk or OnStar, but yeah. Keg paddles was they were a like a like a few hundredths of a second ahead. As my brain was computing what was happening, yeah. they had already seen it recognized it and were reacting to it and it was crazy because as i click the mic voices are coming out over the radio but they're not mine but they're saying exactly what i want to say which is like this is crazy yeah and the dude was in a crowd they gave him screaming wave off calls and he kept descending i mean they're wave off calls from in close and he was so underpowered he had actually gone to idle he came down hit the ramp, he was, I'm sorry, not the ramp, but hit the deck, excuse me, 10 feet, we measured it, literally 10 feet, from the round down, boltered, so skipped across all four, went around. So in the debrief, so I sat down with Wonk and Onstar, and I was like, I didn't, uh, that was, that caught me, I, I didn't know what to do. That really, my reaction time was too slow. And they're like, dude, that's why backup's there. That's why Keg Paddles is there. That's why they don't put one single dude on the pickle. Um, and that was, that dude, that scared the shit out of me. Because yeah. that dude, when we paced it out, he's in a growler, man. Yeah. Freaking heavy-ass aircraft. It was like. Paul's got a lot of lift. Yeah. But it was like <laughs> one of those, dude. Yeah. 10 feet. Yeah, you got to be pretty bad to almost hit the back of the ramp in a growler. So that was that was one mile like holy shit. Yeah. So I, I would say that the lesson there is actually a thread that I when you started to ask that question that my brain instantly went to, which is when you're young and learning the trade, you second guess your gut. Right? And and that second guessing your gut takes a nanosecond or an instant. And that instant could be life set saving or life threatening, right? And so, um, in the practice, OJT uh, during the the learning the trade, you learn to trust your gut and you trust it instantly because you know your gut's going to tell you to keep them on the safe side of glide slope, right? You're never gonna you're never gonna trust your gut to bring them down below glide slope. Right? So trust your gut and trust it early, and it's okay to err on the cautionary side of things. Right? If you think they need power, say it. Don't, don't second guess you. 
It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay not to speak. Right? And and failure or being wrong is just fine. Right? Not speaking can end somebody's life. Speak up Legit. and do it early. And and I mean, in the boardroom today, I mean, I had the CEO of our and CFO of our company in one of my plants today. And the hesitation to speak up is strong, right? But don't be afraid to say something that isn't in line with the conventional way of thinking. Say it because it might help. And if you're wrong, so what? Right? It's going to add to the dialogue and the intellectual tug of war and you're going to and you're gonna work things out and you might be wrong and that's okay. I'd rather be wrong than not say something and have something bad happen. Right, and that's what we learn about in being a single seat fighter pilot. Speak up when you do something dumb. Have the moral courage to say so when you're not perfect. Because guess what, nobody is. And two, if you have a gut feeling to say something, say it. Speak up. Have the moral courage to be wrong. Because I'd rather be wrong than be silent. Take the fucking bat off your shoulder and swing at the pitch. And, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a carryover lesson that is critical about being a fighter pilot, critical about being a paddle, that, that makes those of us who transition from the art of being a paddle into the private sector, that helps us enormously. And um, I don't know, something that sticks with me, certainly. Dude, that's, <clears throat> I was about to say, like, hey, any good lesson learned, any final, you know, that was, well, you're saving, saving me a question. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, no, man, that was awesome. Like moral courage. Yeah. Well, just for fun, since we got five minutes, barf. <laughs> I hate this shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Barf, what's your favorite ice cream? Uh, mint chocolate chip. Is it really? Oh, for sure. No doubt. Hands down? Yes. Second is coffee. Coffee ice cream? Oh, dude. Yes. Huh. I nipple between the two. Dude, I would have guessed you for like a cookies and cream kind of guy. Really? Why? I don't know why. Because I'm short? Yeah. Oh. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Mint chocolate chip? I, I feel like that's a... I don't know. I feel like that's kind of soft. Yeah. That's all right. Whatever. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It makes no sense. This is when Susan runs out of questions. Hey, what do you want to talk about? Ice cream. Let's talk about ice cream. Uh, dude, this has been fun. It has been Honestly. fun. Honestly. I always appreciate it. Next time, like you said you had enough beer. You clear, like, Dude, I've got more beers. I looked and it was empty. It is not empty. Are you sure? No, but we can put more in the freezer. I've got more. Are they in the refrigerator? I don't know, dude. Look at all the empties. I think you ran out. <laughs> I did not run out. First of all, let the record run. show that I have two more six-packs of beer. All right, all right, all right. My bad, my bad. My bad. All right, dude. Um, thank you. Paddles so, hey, does hey, not run Paddles out of beer. Paddles is always right. Barf is right. No, Paddles does not run out of beer. That's real. That is real. Dude, the last uh, Paddles on our last cruise, they set up, they, they combined with the, the COD guys. They set up a admin party that was absolutely for the record insane and guess who 
the only four individuals to get kicked out of the air wing party were. All Marines. Yes. <laughs> the XO, OPSO, and our, our department heads all got kicked out from the paddle, the air wing party. They had guys you can get a suit. They had tailors. They, I mean, it was a, it was a rooftop ridiculous bash. It's the best. Guess dude. who gets kicked out? The Marine department heads. Not just the youngsters. That is absolutely the way it, it is supposed to be. It kind of makes me a little proud a little bit. It makes me happy. So, dude, uh, one, thanks for doing this again. Thanks for having me, man. This is a blast. There's so many ways we can take this, but I, I really think the the takeaways and the lessons from the paddles factor, we'll call it, and that 15 seconds of trust and building relationships and just, dude, all those things. Having the stones to speak up, knowing when and how to give somebody bad news and, and the reason for it and them learning from it. Yeah, I love the the connection with, with the boys, man, where it's like, hey, Guys, you know, dad's disappointed. Yeah. And and when to change that up. Yeah. Legit. So. Well, I'll tell you, that one of the things that COVID has that taught me is that during a crisis is not the time to build trust. Right? You have to build trust before the crisis. During the trust, you have to leverage the trust. You mean during built. the crisis, leverage the trust? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to build trust before the crisis so that you can leverage it during the crisis. You can't build trust during the crisis, right? So you have to get ahead of it. You have to build trust all the time because you never know when the crisis is coming. So you gotta be, you gotta be throwing the parties. You gotta be building the trust, proverbial parties, right? You gotta be building the relationships and building trust and, and so that you can lean on it when it really matters, when the shit hits a fan. You can't you can't do it during the crisis, and so you must lay the groundwork in advance. You gotta, gotta okay. do it. Awesome. Closing thoughts. Anything? No, man. Shout out paddle shout outs. Oh, tons. You can't do that to me. Anybody? Oh man, Milf. Jack, Milf. Jack Becker. Hey, we gotta get Milf on here. We gotta get Milf right. on. Here. My paddle shout outs. So Barf, obviously, Wonk, OnStar, Nana suspect there's a whole bunch of dudes too many but guys that helped me out coming up as young paddles dwim, dwim. my bro uh all those guys i love all those guys so all right all right brother anything else no all right here ya. folks we'll see you next time cheers